Hey, 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 good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of Champions E Church, virtual church. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to our Instagram peeps. Welcome to our Facebook peeps. We are so excited to have you. Want to encourage you, you know, as you come in, say good morning. Tell us where you're watching from. If you're watching live, I want you to hashtag, hashtag live. And if you watch on the replay, I want you to hashtag on the replay. And I want you to invite someone to come and be a part of service. I really want to encourage you, Pastor Elwood and I were laughing this morning. We are now 22 weeks of virtual church. And I was saying, because I've had so many kids, that I'm now treating this like a pregnancy. At 20 weeks, we could have gotten the, you know, at least when I was pregnant, I think they can do it a little earlier now, um, that you could have determined the sex of the baby. So we literally are in our second trimester, right? And I believe that there is something supernatural that God is desiring to give birth to us in. There are things that he desires to do. And so I'm excited. So tell us where you're watching from. Um, hashtag live, invite somebody to come, share, share the broadcast, share the broadcast. And I want to encourage all of our FOC partners to stay connected. I don't just mean stay connected to attending church. I mean, stay connected to God, stay connected to hearing the Holy Spirit, because it is a great time to be a believer. That's the first thing. Yes, they can hear it, babe. You got to turn it off. The fan, they can hear it. Um, and so I think it's just a great time to be able to be a believer. And I want you to say that, say it's a great time to be a believer. It's a great time to be a believer. Why? Because you need to understand that no matter what is going on in the world, no matter what is happening, that God has a plan for your victory in every area of life. God has a plan for your victory in every area of life. So I want you to just say, it's a great time to be a believer. And then I want you to say, God has a good plan for me. See, that's our way of saying, amen. You know, if you go to Fellowship of Champions, we say, turn and tell your neighbor. We say, high five your neighbor. We say, we ready for the word. This is our way of virtually being able to stay plugged in, to make confessions. Pastor Edwin and I have taught you guys for years that what comes out of your mouth is so important and so what I want to do is I want to align your thinking now I want to give you the announcements real quick and then I'm going to come back and do them at the end and then I want to tell you something that I think will help you be able to really ascertain because I know that you guys thought that I was sitting here because I was teaching this morning but alas I am not Pastor Ellen is coming back and he's going to walk us through um, those laws that he gave us last week but there's something that I want to share with you that I think will be a blessing and it will help you hear what he's saying because the Bible says we got to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. And so I want to say something that I think will help you, but let's start with the announcements. You can join me tomorrow at noon central time. All our times are central time for Mindset Monday. And I'm going to be teaching about something that I'm going to start here today, but it will be great. So if you're free and you can come or you can watch the, re the replay, um, then come on and join me tomorrow at um, noon central. And then um, Tuesday nights, Tuesday nights, everybody say Tuesday night, something supernatural happens when you pray. Let's tag our partners, friends of the ministry. Let's get everybody. You got to get up and get ready. I may be a little extra hype because I walked this morning, but 
listen, you gotta, even though you may be at home, you still ought to be entering into his gates with thanksgiving and entering into his courts with praise, expecting God to do something supernatural in your life. And so we pray on Tuesday nights and we pray on Tuesday night because we know that something supernatural happens when we pray. When we pray, we're not begging. When we pray, we not wonder what God is going to do. We are literally formulating our prayers based on the word of God and we are giving God his word back to him. And then as we give his word back to him, we begin to decree and declare. Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we find out what God desires to do, when we find out that it is the will of God for you to prosper and be in health, when we find out that God wants you to prosper, when we find out that God wants you to be at peace and free from anxiety, we pray it because we're coming into agreement with heaven and then we decree it and we declare it. That's why you see on our pages, you see so many I am statements or I declare. I declare that I'm blessed. I declare that I'm healthy. I declare that I walk in wisdom. And we want to encourage you to join us for prayer on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central on the Fellowship of Champions Facebook page. And then we want to encourage you to come to Bible study on Wednesday night. You may be like, guys, we have so many things going on. Yes. Do you know why we have so many things going on? Because you need the word. Say, I need the word. You need the word. Let me tell you something. When life comes at you and life is coming at us in so many forms, you have to have the word as your anchor. So we're giving you multiple opportunities to get the word, multiple opportunities to stay connected, multiple opportunities to avoid depression, multiple opportunities to avoid anxiety, but it's your responsibility to stay connected. You got to participate in your own rescue. So then on Wednesday night, we have Pastor Ralph, our associate pastor who has been teaching Refresh Bible Study. And my goodness, listen, this dude is teaching the word. And I'm telling you that that one hour on Wednesday night from 8.30 p.m. Central to 9.30 p.m. Central, it will bless your life. It will uproot fear. It will uproot wrong thinking. It will uproot raggedy living. And you will have the courage to make it the rest of the week. And then we'll come back on Sunday morning at 9.30 and Kristen will lead us in worship. And did you guys hear Kristen this morning? Man, listen, she was leading us into worship. But again, we still have to participate. We can't just watch Kristen clap. We got to get involved and sing the word and declare the word over our lives. Amen. And then we'll be right back here. So those are our announcements. Also, you will see there are multiple ways that you can give. This ministry is good ground. This ministry is good ground. I can't speak for other ministries. I can tell you this ministry is good ground. And if you're going to sow and if you're going to give, this is a ministry that is good ground to give into. We we have a scholarship fund. We help people who are hungry. Um, we help, we've helped people with their rent, with groceries, all types of things. This is good ground. We are doing the work of the kingdom. So I want to get into the thing that I wanted to tell you before Pastor Edwin comes because I think it's so important. 
You know, it's so important how we hear the word. We don't just want to be excited by the word. We want to be equipped by the word and we want to be anchored by the word. We don't just want to be excited. It's good to be excited. Now, the Bible can excite you in your emotions, but we want to know what to do with the word so that we can live in victory. And so as I've been thinking about this, since he's been talking about being a cheerful giver and faith for your harvest, and I'm so thankful that we have a man of God who who sets his heart to hear from God. And how many of you know he set us up before 2020 came in? He set us up. He told us, he said, guys, listen, let me tell you what we're stepping into. 2020 is going to be a year of alignment, agreement, and advancement. And then he said, it's going to be a year of great harvest. And so if you're new to here and you're a first time watcher, a first time visitor, one of the reasons you see us making that declaration about a year of, har- a year of great harvest is because we have been given an instruction that no matter what is going on in the earth realm that the will of God for us is great harvest. Say, it is my year of great harvest. Come on and share this broadcast. Come on and tag your friends, tag your cousin, tag your auntie, all of those people. But listen, let me tell you what you need to understand. A prophetic word is a weapon. A prophetic word is a weapon. What do I mean it's a weapon? The Bible describes the word of God as a sword. What do you do with a sword? You go to battle with a sword. So when we get a word that says it is the year of great harvest, that word literally becomes a sword. It becomes the weapon that we use to dismantle poverty and scarcity. Do you understand what I'm saying right here? So when our man of God, or maybe he, you're just visiting with us, but you can take the word if it belongs to you. When you, when our man of God speaks to us and says, guys, it's your year of great harvest, that literally becomes a sword in our mouths that we can use to dismantle and cut down every plan of the enemy that is designed to bring scarcity into your life. When Pastor Ellen gives us this word that it's the year of great harvest, we don't know that COVID is coming. We don't know all of the things that are going to happen, but what we know is that heaven has given us a word and heaven is saying to us, children, do not be moved by anything you see because what I want you to do instead of being moved by the economy, instead of being moved by declarations of recession, instead of being moved by what your job is doing, I want you to know that I have given you a sword. Use your weapon. Tell your neighbor, use your weapon. Now, I just need you to take about 13 seconds and begin to decree and declare it's my year of great harvest. I want to see your hearts hands lifted, all of that different stuff. Why? Because we are coming into agreement with heaven. We are coming into agreement with heaven. It is my year of great harvest. So Pastor Edwin has been giving us strategy. So as I was walking this morning, this is what the Lord told me. He said a prophetic word is a weapon and you are to use it as a weapon and as worship. Why? Because there's no way to participate in a prophetic word without obedience. And your obedience is a worship. It is worship. So he gave me this example that I just wanted to share, man, because it blessed me so much. So we talk a lot about Jehoshaphat. 
And Jehoshaphat is surrounded by these enemies. And he's like, what are we going to do? And the prophet comes and says, send Judah first. How many of you are familiar with that story about Jehoshaphat? Send Judah first. Understand, it was not the sending of Judah first that gave them the victory. It was that when God said it, it became the weapon that released the victory. You understand? That is why it's so important why the Bible says if you believe God, you'll be established. But if you believe your prophet, you will prosper. And one of the reasons that the enemy works to get believers to despise prophetic words is because he knows that without a prophetic word, you do not have a weapon to release heaven in the earth. You need to know that in every season, no matter what the enemy is doing, God is doing something greater. So Jehoshaphat is like, what are we going to do? We're surrounded by these enemies and God releases a strategy. Everybody say strategy. And the strategy is what? Send Judah first. Understand, at any other time if they had just decided from their intellect that they were going to send Judah first, then they would have got their tails kicked. They don't get their tails kicked because they send Judah first based on a word from God, and when God says it, it becomes a weapon that contains the power to bring itself to pass. So understand, when Pastor Edwin starts to teach to us about being a cheerful giver, that's a strategy. He is now saying to us, church, fellowship of champions, friends of fellowship of champions, listen to the strategy God has given you. A being a cheerful giver be makes you a weapon. Being a cheerful whim, whim, uh, being a cheerful giver sets you up to win financially no matter what the enemy's doing and in order to be a cheerful giver you have to come into a place of obedience so what begins to happen is that your act of giving your decreeing and declaring your increase it not only is a weapon but it is worship and listen let me tell you what God is doing I'll see this so clearly God is not just setting you free from poverty God is not just setting you free from scarcity. God is not just setting you free from lack. He is setting you free to be able to set other people free. Pastor Sean, what do I mean? When we all gave into the scholarship fund, that becomes a strategy. That strategy where we are willing to partner with God and use our money as a weapon and as worship, it sets a college student free from having debt. So literally, God wants to use, I want you to understand, God wants to increase increase you beyond any place you've been increased, but he is not just doing it for you. He is doing it. He is looking for sold out believers, for believers who are willing to be obedient in their giving and their living so that literally when hunger shows up, you can use your seed in order to dismantle hunger. When scarcity and lack and somebody can't afford books and somebody can't pay their rent and somebody can't pay their car note and somebody doesn't have gas and somebody needs help in the grocery store, he is looking for a quick, prompt to do, cheerful giver who he can dispatch in the earth realm as a worshiper and a weapon. And so I wanted to encourage you as Pastor Ellen comes and teaches today, I want you to set yourself up. I want you to declare, I am a weapon and I am a worshiper. I will use my money to dismantle the strategies of the enemy. I will use my money to dismantle hunger. 
That's why I want to increase. I want to increase not just so I can take care of my family. I want to increase so that I have the money for every good work so that I can send kids to school, so that we can send water when people don't have water, so that we can pay for food when there is no food. Listen to me. God wants to set you up as a weapon and a worshiper. And let me tell you something. For those of you who will agree, for those of you who will pass the test, for those of you who will obey God, for those of you who can be trusted, you will see increase. You will see increase. You will step into a season where you will see more money come in and out of your life than you have ever seen before because you are a cheerful, prompt, quick to do giver and God is unwilling to do without you and he is unwilling to let your family go without because you are unwilling to let the kingdom go without. And so Pastor Elwin is coming you better get ready for these laws. You need to set your heart to be obedient in your giving. Whether God tells you to give to a homeless person, whether he tells you to pay for somebody's Dr. Pepper, whether he tells you to sow more into the scholarship fund, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now come on and release some hearts and let's get ready for the word. Amen. Good morning, good morning. Listen, I don't know about you, but I got excited over there. I was trying to wave to her to just keep going. She surely did not look at me at all. Uh, but I I was trying to tell her, just keep going, just keep talking about strategy, amen? Because strategy is exactly uh, what the Lord has been giving us through this entire series. So good morning, everybody. Listen, I'm just going to jump right into it. Pastor Sean has already shared with you uh, all of the announcements Maybe she'll come back at the end and do it again. Look, I know y'all see I got on my jaw shirt this morning. Uh, listen, I'll, you know how I feel about Shark Week. Uh, this was year number 32. That's right. Shark Week started in 1988. I've watched every single week uh, for the last 32 years. So shout out to Kristen Valley who sent me my jaw shirt for this year. Uh, so I'm repping every shark it is. Nurse shark, white sharks, silkies. Uh, tiger sharks, bull sharks, uh, lemon sharks. Listen, I just been this has been a great week for me. Okay, anytime it's Shark Week is a great week. So let's get into this word, Amen. Listen, Pastor Sean was talking about strategy, and it was so amazing because she hasn't seen my notes at all. In fact, we didn't even decide until yesterday who was actually going to teach this morning. Uh, and I already had in my notes to start talking about strategy because that is what. I believe God has given us in order to make it through this next season that we're in. And in fact, y'all know me, I always start off, uh, let me plug my computer up here, I always start off uh, with a definition, right? So let me give you a definition of what strategy is and why it's necessary. Strategy is a plan of action steps to achieve one or more long-term or overall goals under conditions of uncertainty. Now, let me say that again. What is a strategy? A strategy is a plan of actionable steps that you have in order to reach some long-term goal under conditions of uncertainty. 
So when God gave us the word back in November that this was going to be our year of great harvest, and then he turned around and said, but here are the things you got to do. You got to get in alignment and you got to get an agreement. Alignment and agreement became our strategy. Why? Because alignment and agreement was the strategy that was going to get us to this long-term goal of harvest in this year of uncertainty. We had no idea, church. We had no idea what 2020 was going to be like. We had no idea that COVID was going to come in the month of March and, and, and cause all of this shutdown, to cause all of this unemployment, to cause all of this angst and concern, even into August when we're talking about whether we're going to send kids back to school or not. And if we do, what's going to happen when we do? But God knew. God knew that. And so God gave us a strategy. And so I, I thank God for Pastor Sean hearing uh, from the Lord. I know she does. Uh, but I thank God that she even started off that way this morning because when she said she had something she wanted to share this morning, uh, I actually said to her, I said, hey, if you want to preach this morning, you go for it. I said, you just, you just take off and go for it. And it's so funny because I had in my notes this idea about strategy. And then she's walking this morning and the Lord downloads her uh, this idea about, about being a weapon and a worshiper, right? Uh, and how it's, it's both strategy and warfare. And so I want to get into uh, our teaching this morning. Uh, I gave you several, I gave you a lot of information last week and I gave you a lot of information because I really thought that was going to be my last week and I was going to hand this off to Pastor Sean for about a month or so. Uh, that didn't quite happen. So what I'm going to do this morning is uh, slow down just a tad bit and I'm not going to go through everything, but I just want to go through and really make sure you understand uh, about this strategy. I almost don't even want to call them laws anymore. I want to talk about the strategy of sowing and harvesting. There is a strategy. There is a there, there is a set of actionable steps that we can take to ensure long-term uh, goals or results in conditions of uncertainty. Uh, there's always the opportunity to harvest. I don't care what the earth economy is. I don't care what's going on in the world. God has given us a way to always harvest because he says that the word is our seed. The word of God is our seed. And as long as we have the word of God, we have the ability to sow. And if we have the ability to sow, then we have the ability to harvest. So let's jump into what I want to talk about today. It's the title of this message is Faith for the Harvest Part 3. Now listen, before we get into this, I'm going to ask you to do this one more time if you haven't already. Let's participate in some social outreach. Go ahead and hit that share button. Share it to any groups that you are in that you have the ability to. Tag a friend or family member who may not be on yet. Tag a partner who may not be on yet. We got partners who aren't on yet. Go ahead and tag them. They may not have got the notification. They may be sleeping in. Uh, at least they'll be able to watch the replay. Go ahead and tag them. And then let's get some synergy and some energy up in this room. I need everybody who's watching this broadcast right now. It's about 75 of y'all. I need each one of y'all to give about five hearts or five likes. Do that real quick. Just click the button about one, two, three, four, five good times. And then click the like button one, two, three, four, five good times. And let's get some energy up in this room, all right? So here's what we did. Over the last two weeks, we have discussed a lot of things. Uh, and there are several key points uh, that I want us to touch on just real quick as reminders. For those of you who, who this is your first time viewing or you haven't seen the other broadcasts, Here's what I will ask you to do. Sometime during this week, during the course of the next seven days, simply go to this page, go on the left-hand side, find the word videos, 
click the video link and then just go back to the very first message about God's uh, promising to prosper us or God positioning us to prosper. Just watch one video each day. Uh, and in about a week, you can catch up and get everything that we got here today. Uh, but I won't spend a lot of time going through all of these steps, but I do want to highlight some of the important things that we've talked about over the last several weeks. Number one, we said that God is looking for someone in this earth to show himself strong towards. I am telling you, God is looking for somebody to be good to. That's our thing. Number one, God is looking for somebody he can be good to. The second point is that the will of God for our life does not happen automatically. We established that, yes, God wants wonderful things for us, but we must participate. We have to become partners with God. If we are not partnering with God, then as Pastor Sean said, we can't expect to see those things that God wants to happen come to pass in our life because he needs participation from us in order for all of that good stuff to happen. Number three, we said that it is the will of God for all of his children to be blessed. Uh, God doesn't have any favorites. God loves us all immensely. He sent Jesus to die for us all. And the Bible tells us that if he wouldn't, if he wouldn't withhold Jesus from us, then how would he withhold anything else from us? In fact, another scripture says it like this. It says, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk upright. Amen. So it is the will of God uh, that all of his children are blessed. And you got to believe that. You got to believe that. You can't see someone else doing well and think, well, God must have favoritism towards them or God loves them more. No, no, no. God loves us all the same and he wants to bless us all immensely. Amen. In fact, Job 36 and 11 says it like this. It says that if we will obey and if we will serve and honor God, then you and I will get to spend our days in prosperity and we'll get to spend our years in pleasure. Amen. And so God wants all of his children to be blessed beyond measure. The fourth thing we said is we said that choosing to believe is a choice. And this is so important. Why? Because if I tell you that God wants all of his children to be blessed, but you don't believe that, then you are going to get what you believe. The Bible says it like this. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So whatever you believe on the inside of you is what's going to come to pass in your life. And so we established through the use of looking at Thomas that believing is a choice. We choose to believe. It's just that simple. If God says something, we have the, the opportunity to either believe God or to, or, to, or to not believe God. But whatever we choose as true, whatever we choose as true is what's going to come to pass in our life. And so number four, we said that believing is indeed a choice. And then number five, we said that because believing is a choice, then since realm living, since realm living is contrary to operate in the kingdom of God when it comes to walking by faith. Well, pastor, what does all that mean? Well, what it simply means is that we are human beings. And as human beings, we have these five senses. And these five senses was really designed to keep us safe in this world. Uh, it, we, we have eyes that we can see. So when we cross the street, uh, we don't get hit by a car. We have nose that we can smell. So, so that in case there's a fire, we can escape the fire. We have, uh, we have a, a sense of taste. Why? So we can tell whether something is, 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 is old or sour or bad or not. Uh, we have a sense of feel, right? So there's sort of, there's pressure from the outside world coming against us. We can respond to that, right? And then we have ears to hear. Why? So it keeps us safe. So 
so that we can hear when danger is coming. So these five senses that we have, they work in conjunction to keep us safe in the world. However, they were never designed to be used in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, that we are to walk by faith, watch this, and not by sight. Well, it mentions sight, but that goes for all the other four senses. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, how do we walk by faith? We choose to believe what God says. We've said this a hundred thousand times probably. Faith begins, come on, y'all could probably finish this, where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Well, once I know the will of God, I still have to choose to believe it. And once I choose to believe it, then I have to understand that there may be times that there are things happening in my environment around me that are contradictory to what I am believing. So now I have to make a choice. Do I believe my, the stimuli of the environment or do I choose to believe God's word? And as for me and my house, we choose to believe God's word. Believing is a choice. And since ram evidence is contrary to walk it in faith. So we don't use sense realm evidence to determine whether or not God has said something to us that is real or not. And then number six, the last thing that I'll talk about uh, in terms of the things we discussed, uh, we kind of talked about it last week, and it is that breakthrough always comes before harvest. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. I haven't had you to type a bunch of stuff yet this morning, but I want you to type that. Type breakthrough always comes before harvest. Another way to say it is breakthrough always comes before manifestation. I'm going to get it before I get it. I'm going to see it before I see it. Understand? Breakthrough, the thing I'm believing God for, I'm going to get it before I ever get it. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, I'm going to have to obtain it in the spiritual realm through my faith before I ever see it manifest in the natural. If I can't see it in the spirit, I'm never going to obtain it in the natural. So breakthrough always comes before manifestation. And we talked about that, and I won't go through the whole thing today, but we talked about breakthrough uh, happening uh, because we choose to believe God's word. I showed you last week, I believe it was over in 1 Samuel, uh, the story of Hannah, when Hannah went to Shiloh. Hannah went to Shiloh and she was desperately wanting a man child. She wanted a son. And the Bible says that uh, while she was there, she was, she was praying and literally begging, crying out, pleading to God about having a child. The Bible says that the priest of the temple, who's happened to be the name of Eli, uh, he came and he saw her and Eli thought she was drunk. And he asked her, he said, how long are you going to be drunk? How long are you going to be in this state? And she says, oh, no, I'm not drunk. She says, I just grieve because I, I'm begging God for a son. And the Bible says something so spectacular. It says this. It says the man of God says, oh, is that all you're doing? He says, well, then go in peace. Now watch this. This word peace, we know it means shalom. It means nothing missing. It means nothing broken. He says, go in peace. Watch this. He says, and may the God of Israel grant you your petitions. In other words, he says, listen, girl, get up. Stop begging. The Lord's going to give you what you want. The Bible says immediately Hannah's countenance changed. Now, why did her countenance change? Because when she received that word, she believed it like she already had. It. 
Now, she hadn't slept with nobody. She hadn't conceived. She hadn't done none of the natural things it takes to get a man child, to get a baby, right? But the Bible says as soon as she got a word, her countenance changed. Why did her countenance change? Because she was going based on faith and not sense realm knowledge. And if you keep reading that story, you find out that she indeed had a son about the span of nine months after that word was given to her. I'm telling you, some of you right now, you're going to receive the word I'm teaching today in a span of just a few days, a few weeks, or a few months. The thing you have settled that you believe for is going to manifest in your life. Why? Because breakthrough always happens before manifestation comes. All right, so then let's talk about faith a little bit. What is faith? If we're supposed to live by it, what is it? So the Bible explains in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says it like this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Now, I like the amplified version of this because it says it a little more uh, succinctly and it lays out some of the details that the King James does it. It says it like this. It says, now faith is the assurance. So faith is my guarantee, right? It is the confirmation or the title deed of the things that I am hoping for. In this case, see, when we were talking about Hannah, Hannah was hoping for a man child. She was hoping for a son. The Bible says that when Eli said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you your petitions, when the moment he said that, that became her title deed. She grabbed hold to that by faith. It became her assurance that she would indeed have a son. So it says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we hope for being the proof of things we do not yet see and the conviction of their reality. What it does is faith allows us to perceive as real fact what is not revealed, watch this, to our senses. Remember I talked about sense rim living and how sense rim living is dangerous when you're trying to operate in the kingdom of God? Why? Because when you're walking by faith, faith doesn't always reveal things to your senses. So when God says, I'm going to heal you, but you still feel pain in your body, if you're not careful, you'll respond to the pain rather than the word that you're already healed. Why? Because faith doesn't reveal things to our senses. Faith reveals things to our spirit. Pastor Raph and I, we've been talking about this, both of us, in our teaching, that man is a tripartite being. Man is a spirit. Man has a soul, and it is housed in a body. Well, your soul, you know, is your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. Understand, your spirit, man, is separate from that. Faith does not really uh, say anything at all to your body or to your soul. Faith talks to your spirit. What has to happen is then your spirit man uh, receives the word of the Lord or, 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 or some revelation knowledge that God has concerning your life. And what you have to do is partner with God to believe God in spite of what your soul is saying. You have to make your soul line up with your spirit. It can't be the other way around. Because if it is, then you will always be living by sense, realm, evidence. And the only way you will ever be sure of something is if you can see it, if you can smell it, if you can taste it, if you can touch it, or if you can hear it. And if that's the case, then you are limited to what God can do for you because God operates by faith. Amen. So that's what faith is. Now, that's if, if you if you think about it, 
that's, you know, we talk about Abraham being the father of faith. Abraham is the father of faith. Why is Abraham the father of faith? Because Abraham demonstrated this principle, this concept before it was even a concept, right? So what happens is the Lord comes to Abram and he says to Abram, I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to leave everybody you know. Uh, and if you understand this, you understand that Abraham came out of a society that was polytheistic. They believed in many gods. Uh, they believed in a moon god, a sun god, a water god, all these gods. And then God shows up, El Elyon, the one true God, shows up and says to Abram, I want you to come and follow me, and I am going to make you a father of many nations. Now, you have to understand that uh, Abraham, when he received this promise, uh, was beyond the age of having children of his own. And the woman he was with, Sarah, uh, who later became Sarah, she was beyond childbearing ages. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham heard this word and despite what, was, what he knew about his natural environment, he chose to believe God. What did we say earlier? Believing is a what? Choice. The Bible says in Romans 4, 18 through 22, it says, Abraham, who against hope, against hope, yet he believed in hope. What does that mean? It means Abraham wanted a son. He wanted to have someone he could call his own, but he understood that he was over 100 years old and Sarah was beyond childbearing ages. But Bible says, but even though that was the case, he still continued to hope. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your situation is. But what I do know is that no matter how bad it is, if God has said something different, you can hope against hope this morning. You can make the decision that no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the, the, the HR office is saying, no matter what, what, what the relationship counselor is saying, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, I am telling you, if God has given you a word that is contrary to that, you need to choose to believe God and hope against hope. The Bible said that's what Abraham did. It said that he hoped against hope that he might become the father of many nations. He, in his natural mind, he didn't know how it was going to happen or if it, even if it really could happen. But what he knew is that if anybody could bring it to pass, God could. Listen, I know they may be telling you that your sickness is unto death. They may be telling you that you're going to have to live with this illness and disease for the rest of your life. They're telling you you're going to have to be on medication. They're telling you that it's never going to get better. I don't know what the situation may be, but what I do know is that if anybody can make it better, it is your God. It is El Elyon, the most high God. He can make it come to pass. If he speaks it, it is done. You just got to get the breakthrough. How do I get the breakthrough? By choosing to believe God. I don't have to worry about manifestation. Manifestation is God's part. Breakthrough is mine. I control the breakthrough. Why? Because I control when I choose to believe God. And I can believe God at any moment. And at any moment I choose to believe God, my life changes. It may not look like it. It may not feel like it. It may not even sense it. But I'm telling you, the moment I choose to believe God, everything in my life changes. Amen? The Bible goes on to say this in verse 19. It says that Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body which was dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. This morning, I want to challenge you to stop considering everything else other than what God said. 
I want you to stop considering everything else other than what God said. But my bank account, but the doctor's report, but my relation. I don't want you to consider any of that. All I want you to do is not be weak in faith. Don't be weak in faith. I want you to believe what God has said. He goes on to say in verse 20, in verse 20 it says, and he staggered not. It means he didn't fall down under pressure. He didn't give up. He didn't cave in. He didn't quit. It says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in his faith. How are you strong in your faith? You just keep believing. Well, pastor, I want to have strong faith. Then don't stop believing. Strong faith is not about uh, some, some measure of something uh, in terms of how, how much you got, because the Bible says we've all been given the same measure of faith. All you need to do is put your faith into action. The, the, the more you believe, the stronger you become. Why? Because you don't let something move you off of it. It says he staggered not the promises of God through unbelief, but he was strong in his faith. And while he was struggling, going through believing God, you know what he did? The Bible says he gave glory to God. Why? Because he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he, God, was able to perform. And therefore, it, Abraham's believing, was imputed to him as righteousness. And you know the story. Abraham indeed had a son. Not only did he have the promise, but he, if you read the story, you find out that he was actually trying to, to, to partner with God and do some things his own way rather than waiting on God and kind of mess some stuff up. But he actually produced Ishmael. Uh, which was which was amazing within his own right. Uh, he was trying to believe God. He, he, he got off a little bit. But how many know when you get off, if you keep believing God, he'll bring you back to the thing he promised? Because that's how Abraham ended up with Isaac. That's right. That's how he ended up with Isaac, because he just kept believing God. He kept believing God. Go ahead and type in the comment section, no matter what, I'm going to keep believing God. Come on, I want all 80 of you to type that in the comment section. No matter what, I'm going to keep believing God. No matter what. You hear me? No matter what. I'm, I'm not going to go down this road and then decide that it's just too much for me. I'm not giving up. I'm not caving in. And I'm not going to quit. I am going to keep, hear me, believing God. I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care how stressful it gets. I don't care who leaves me. I don't care who, who decides I, I'm crazy. I don't, I, I don't care what the, what the well-intended people say. I am going to just keep believing God. Amen? Now, how was Abraham able to do this? Well, Dr. Ivy Hilliard teaches this, and I talked about it last week, but I want to share it with you again, that if you're going to walk in faith, if you're going to keep on believing God, there are four elements you must have in your life. There are four key elements that you must have in your life if you're going to walk by faith. If you're going to walk by faith, if you're going to be a faith walker, then there are four key things that you need in your life. Let me give you these four things. I talked about them last week. And my ad means if you're out there, you can just uh, copy it and, and put it in the, in the thing as I go. I won't take a lot of time. But there are four key elements that you need. Number one, if you're going to walk in faith, you need a revelation. Okay? What is a revelation? A revelation is simply an illumination. It is a light. It is the divine or supernatural disclosure of new information or knowledge regarding something relating to human existence in the world. In other words, 
when, when I got saved again, I, I got a revelation. The revelation was I could give my life to Christ. And if I give my life to Christ, uh, not only could I experience days of heaven on earth, that when my time he was up, I would spend eternity in heaven. That was an illumination. That was a revelation for me. It allowed me to walk in faith concerning salvation. All right. Number two, if you're going to walk in faith, you're going to need a role model. You're going to need a role model. Jesus Christ is our role model, but there are several other role models. What is a role model? A role model is simply someone that others can look to as a good example. It is a person whose behavior, actions, or successes are to be emulated to produce a desired result. The Bible says it like this. It says, follow after them who through faith and patience have obtained the promise. It says, look at people in the Bible. Look at people in your life. Look at other people who you deem uh, as worthy and see how they got to where they were going. Uh, and, and in terms of walking by faith, I have several people like that. In my natural life, uh, I have mentors. I have spiritual parents. I have other teachers who I glean from. Uh, and I have family and friends. And, and I look at how they handle adversity. And, and, I, and, I, and I use that so that when adversity shows up in my life, I know how to behave. I know what actions to take. I know what to emulate. So if I'm going to be a person who's going to walk by faith, number one, I need a revelation. Number two, I need a role model. And then number three, I need a regimen of faith. What is a regimen of faith? The best way I can describe this uh, is, 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 is when people talk about having a, a, a beauty regimen, right? They have a beauty regimen. What does that mean? That means they have certain serums they put on their face. They have certain creams they put on their face. They have certain facials that they get. Uh, they put certain vitamins on their face. They do certain things, and it's typically in a particular order on a particular day. So if you're going to be a person of faith, you're going to need a regimen, not a beauty, but a regimen of faith. What is a regimen of faith? It is this, it basically this word regimen means organized into strict adherence. You're going to have to set up some parameters whereby you can build your faith every single day. Go ahead and type in the comment section. Say, I must build my faith every single day. I give you time to type it. I must build my faith every single day. Why? Because something's coming to destroy my faith every single day. So if the enemy's not taking a day off, watch this, I can't take a day off. I got to have a regiment of faith. If I'm going to walk by faith, I need a revelation. Number two, I need a role model. And number three, I need a regiment of faith. So go ahead and type that in there. I must build my faith every single day. I must build my faith every single day. So then, Pastor, what exactly is a regiment of faith? It is a systematic plan of actionable steps especially designed to improve and maintain the health, the well-being, or the betterment of a thing. I got to have a systematic, a systematic way so that I don't fall prey to all of the external pressures that I face in life. I got to know that. If I'm going to walk in faith, I got to have a regimen of faith. Listen, another way to say it is I got to have a pre-planned regular course of action. Most people who go to the gym, who are serious about going to the gym, they don't just show up at the gym and wonder what they're going to do. No, no, no. They know what day is leg day, what day is arms, what day is back, what day is core, 
What day is cardio? They, they, they know. They have a pre-planned uh, workout regimen. Why? Because they know what specific areas they want to target. So in your walk of faith, you need a regimen of faith, a systematic way, a systematic plan of actionable steps so that you can better your faith. Amen. And then number four, if you're going to walk in faith, I said you need a revelation, right? I said you need a role model. I said you need a regimen of faith. And then number four, you need a righteous resolve. What is a righteous resolve? To have a righteous resolve simply means to have firm determination to do something. A firm determination to do something. It means to find an answer or a solution. Or it means to make a definite and serious decision to do something. In this case, it is to stay in faith. I need a righteous resolve that I am going to stay in faith no matter what. How am I going to stay in faith no matter what? I'm going to do number four. I'm going, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do number three. I'm going to have a regimen of faith. And because I have a regimen of faith, that's going to help me with number four, which is to have a righteous resolve. That means I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cave in and I'm not going to quit. It means my expectation is going to be from the Lord. It means that when I am in faith, that I can have an expectation that once I have a revelation, once I have a role model, once I have developed my regimen of faith, and once I have a righteous resolve, I can expect whatever God has promised to come to pass in my life. I am telling you, it works every single time. The kingdom of God is built on it and around it. It works every single time. You hear me? So understand this. One of my favorite scriptures, uh, and I'll tell you, Pastor Sean used to say this all the time, and it became one of my favorite scriptures. It's in Psalm 62. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 5. In Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2, it says this. It says, truly, my soul, what is my soul? My mind, my will, my, expect, my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, and my intellect. Their expectation, all of those five things, Though the expectation that I'm, I'm believing to receive, I wait on God for those. I don't have to go chase them. I don't have to try to network for them. I don't have to find a bed for them. I ain't got to try to plot and scheme for them. All I have to do is obey God. I go where God tells me to go. I do what God tells me to do. I say what God tells me to say. I be quiet when God tells me to be quiet. I share when God tells me to share. I don't share when he tells me not to share. All I have to do is trust God. My expectation is from him. It says, truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. Now that word salvation, you don't just think about going to heaven. That word salvation, there's the word sozo. That word sozo doesn't just mean delivered from sins. It doesn't just mean salvation from sins. The word sozo literally means to be delivered even from physical ailments, but it also speaks to being delivered from one's enemies. And you and I have an enemy. His name is Satan. He is the, 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 the prince of this air. And as a result, he doesn't want us to walk in faith because he knows what happens when we walk in faith. When we walk in faith, we receive everything God has promised. So he wants to stop us from doing that. So what he wants us to do is to look at the world and have an expectation from some other place other than God. It's why verse 2 says, God only is my rock and my salvation. God only is my rock and my deliverer. 
He is my defense. My defense against what? Everything that tries to stop me from walking by faith. God is my defender. God keeps telling me, but trust, believe. Think about every time God got ready to do, every time Jesus got ready to do something uh, miraculous for somebody. Do you ever notice what he says? He says, do not fear or fear not. Why? Because he understood that fear was the driving force that gets one out of faith. Fear is the driving force that gets us out of faith. So Jesus would always say, fear not. Don't worry. Don't be dismayed. Don't, he, why? Because he didn't want them to let their faith go. Because he knew that he could be a defense against the thing that they were about to be afraid of. And then I love what he says in verse 5. Verse 5 says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him alone. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, my expectation is from God alone. My expectation is from God alone. Let me see you type that. My expectation is from God alone. Right. My expectation is from him. So if God makes a promise, I don't have to worry about whether the economy can bring it to pass because the economy didn't make the promise. Ooh, glory to God. I don't have to worry about what the doctor says because the doctor doesn't have the ability to heal me, but God does. My expectation is from the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong. Do we follow doctor's orders? Sure, we follow doctor orders. Why? Because we ask God about what we should do. And then once God tells us what to do, we follow what God tells us to do. But if the doctor says something contrary to what God has said, now we have a decision to make. Who are we going to believe? And remember, believing is a choice. And because believing is a choice, I choose to believe God. My expectation is from him and him alone. Now, why do we need to have these expectations? Because when we are in faith, we can always be expecting. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, when I'm in faith, I can be expecting. When I am in faith, I can be expecting. What can I be expecting? I can expect five things. There are five things that I always can be expecting when I am in faith. Pastor Edward, why are you talking about this? Because they're so important. They are key to understanding these seven laws I'm about to give you. They're key to understanding these seven laws I'm about to give you. Number one, when you are in faith, once you have a revelation, once you get a role model, once you have a regimen of faith, and once you determine that you have a righteous resolve, you're not going to give up, cave in, and quit. Now you can be in expectation of these five things. What are these five things? Number one, a plan of action. God will give you a plan of action. Pastor Shun started this teaching this morning by talking about strategy. God is a strategist. Why? He knows exactly what needs to be done and the way it needs to be done, when it needs to be done to get you to your intended outcome. God is a strategist. So when you are in faith, one thing you can always expect from God is a plan of action. What is a plan of action? A plan of, a plan of action is just a set of actionable steps that have been downloaded from heaven designed to get you to your intended goal or outcome. God will give you a, a path unlike he's given anybody else. It will be just for you. And if you follow it, it will bring you to your desired outcome. Number two. Your next expectation. When you are in faith, you can always expect the wisdom of God. 
What is the wisdom of God? It is revelation knowledge designed to give you a supernatural advantage. God will tell you something. He will show you something. He will explain something to you that other people don't get. It will give you a supernatural advantage. You understand? I can always expect a plan of action and I can always, exp always expect the wisdom of God. Number three, when I'm in faith, I can also expect the favor of God. We call it the fog, F-O-G, the favor of God. It follows us everywhere we go. What is the favor of God? It is simply his unearned and undeserved kindness. God is good to us even when we don't deserve it. He's better to us than we could ever be to ourselves. The favor of God is God's willingness to get involved in our affairs and show us unprecedented preferential treatment. You hear me? God is willing to do stuff for you that nobody else can do or would do. That's how good God is. So when I'm in faith, I can know that I have these five expectations. Number one, I can expect a plan of action. Number two, I can expect the wisdom of God. Number three, I can expect the favor of God. And then number four, I can't plan for it, but I can always expect it. And that is a miracle. I can always be believing God for a miracle. What is a miracle? It's just a supernatural, surprising and welcoming event that cannot be explained by natural or scientific laws. <clears throat> I'm looking for God to do something that supersedes anything anybody else has ever seen. The doctor says, well, you've got stage four cancer. All we can do is send you home to hospice. There's not a lot we can do. That's the perfect time for God to show up. Listen, I am telling you, there are people who have been given death sentences by doctors, but God stepped in and did something so miraculously, even doctors couldn't explain it. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've been, I've been in some, in some near death experiences and did not die. I don't, I don't call that luck. I don't call it nothing but the favor of God, a miracle that happened on my behalf. It cannot be explained. I got friends and family members who've been in car accidents where the cars have flipped five, six, seven times, and everybody said they should have died. I've been in situations where folk been shooting before, and, and, and praise God, I didn't get hit by a straight bullet. Listen, I am telling you, God, we, miracles happen every single day. And while we can't plan for them, we can always be in expectation. Amen. So when I'm in faith, I have these five expectations. I'm going to say it again. I, got, I, I can expect a plan of action, right? I can expect the wisdom of God. I can expect the favor of God. And then I can always be in expectation of a miracle. And here's the fifth expectation. The expectation is that I have the strength to endure until change comes. Well, pastor, how can you determine you have that expectation? Because remember, in order to walk in faith, number four says I got to have a righteous resolve. That means I have to determine before I even go down this journey that no matter what it looks like, I'm not going to quit on God. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I will not quit on God. I will not quit on God. Watch this. Not only am I gonna, I'm not going to quit on myself. I'm not going to quit on my family. I'm not going to quit on those who are counting on me. I, 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 am, I am a person that as I walk by faith, not only am I being blessed, but there are other people attached to me who are being blessed. I ain't going to give up on them. I ain't going to give up on me. And I ain't going to give up on God. I am going to stay right here where I am in faith. Amen. And listen. There, the Bible is, is chock full of this. I won't go through all of these, but uh, I'm just going to give you some names and you can go back and, and look at them later. 
you go back and you look at the woman uh, who had the cruise of oil. You'll find all of these expectations were in her life. You look at the story of Jehoshaphat. Pastor Sean started off talking about Jehoshaphat this morning. Look at the strategy that God gave him. A plan of action. Wisdom. Favor. A miracle. And then the strength to endure until the change came. All of that is packed into those stories. You look at the woman with the issue of blood. And then finally you look at the woman who was in debt. The Bible says there was a woman in the Bible who was in debt and the debtor was coming to take her sons away. The man of God showed up and he said, what do you have in your home? She said, I ain't got none but a couple of pots. And the man said, look, go get as many pots as you can. And the Bible says that they began to pour oil out of one cruise and it just started filling up all the pots and the pots just got full until all the pots were full. The Bible says the woman was able to sell all the oil, pay off her debt. She was rich and had some left over. I'm telling you, there was a plan of action there. I'm telling you, there was wisdom from God there. I'm telling you, there was favor there. I'm telling you, there was a miracle that happened because how do you get all of these pots full out of this one little thing, it was a miracle. And then I'm telling you, she had the strength to endure until change came. And I'm telling you that when you are in faith, those five expectations will work in your life. And don't you let nobody talk you out of them. Amen. So let's get into this idea of these seven laws. Several weeks ago, I gave you uh, these nine principles. I'm not going to revisit the nine principles today. You go back you look at those, you understand them. Uh, they are basic principles about sowing. Uh, what happens when you sow, how you sow, when you sow, what you should believe when you're sowing. You go back and you look at those and we'll talk, we'll, you can go back and, and, and look at that. I won't talk about all of those. I want to get right into uh, these seven laws and then get out of your way. And actually, I want to call them strategies now. I don't even want to call them laws based on what Pastor Sean shared this morning. I want to call them strategies. Uh, this is perfect. Instagram just went off. So give me just a moment. I'll sign them back in. Uh, and once I sign them back in, we'll get uh, started on these uh, strategies here. All right. So here we go. As they're coming back in, those of you that are still uh, watching via Facebook, go ahead and, and just say this. Say, I believe I receive. Just go ahead and type that in the comment section. I believe I receive. I believe those are uh, coming back on Instagram now. Uh, let's get into talking about these seven uh, strategies, these seven laws uh, of sowing. Amen. These seven laws of sowing. Uh, trying to make sure that I did that correctly. Um, yes, I did. All right. All right. So let's talk about these seven, these seven laws. All right. Here's law number one. Law number one. You must sow seed for a harvest. Law number one, you must sow seed for your harvest. If you are designing a harvest in your life, one thing is sure. You cannot reap if you don't sow. Law number one says you must sow if you expect to harvest. If you do not sow, you cannot reap. The devil has tricked so many believers into believing that somehow they can't afford to sow financially, yet they want to receive a financial harvest. Um, he even, he's convinced believers that you don't have to sow financial seeds in order to receive a financial harvest. He, he, he's convinced people that all the church wants is your money. All the preacher wants is your money. He's just going to try to get your money and, and, and leave you stranded and leave you without. 
Because people don't understand the concept of seed, time, and harvest. You understand that if you obey God, no one can trick you. If you obey God, nobody can take from you. When you obey God, God is responsible for repaying you. And so as long as you obey God, you can never come up short. I, I, go ahead and just put that in the comment section. Say, as long as I obey God, I can never come up short. Someone says, why do you have us to type that? Because you need to see it. You need to type it. You need to say it out loud. You need to see it on the screen. Listen, as long as you obey God, you will never come up short. Listen, the enemy is working overtime trying to keep people in fear, especially during times where the economy is like it is, when we are in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, and I used to say a worldwide pandemic, but the truth of the matter is the pandemic even, isn't even so worldwide anymore. We are in the midst of a United States pandemic. Our economy is suffering as a result of it. But watch this. Even in that, God is giving people wisdom, insight, and strategy on how to increase even during the pandemic. I ain't got time to talk about it all, but I'm telling you, God is giving strategies how to increase financially even in the midst of a pandemic. And I'm not talking about just sowing. Yes, sowing, but he's also talking about investments in places to place your money in the midst of this pandemic. And if you'll be open to hear what thus said the Lord, you too can prosper in the midst of this pandemic. Listen, the Bible says in Luke 6, 38, it says, if you give, then you'll receive. It says your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men give into your bosom? He says, and watch this. He says the same measure that you meet out with, in greater measure it will be met back to you. So understand, he says you get to determine how your harvest comes. So number one, the first strategy about sowing is that if you, the first strategy about harvesting is that if you're going to harvest, then you must be a sower. That, my friends, is a powerful truth. And that is why the enemy doesn't want you to participate in sowing. In fact, he preferred that you just forget about it altogether. But that would be to your own detriment. So yes, we talk about sowing and reaping here at Fellowship of Champions. Yes, we talk about it. And we don't move off of it because people say, well, that's a prosperity gospel. That's Herod. Listen, let me explain something to you. The Bible says that unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it abides alone. It, your seed has to leave your hand. It has to leave your pocket. It has to go somewhere that it can die and then return to you in a greater measure than the way you sent it out. Understand this. Here's law number two. Law number one says if you want to harvest, got to sow a seed. It's just that simple. Strategy number two or law number two, it says you must be aggressive about reaping your harvest. You must be aggressive about reaping your harvest. Bible says in Matthew 11 and 12 in the Amplified Bible, it says that from the days of John the Baptist until this present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assaults and violent men has seized it by force. As a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most, with, with the most uh, errant zeal and intense exertion. In other words, when you want something from the kingdom, you have to be aggressive about it. Now, we're not aggressive in the kingdom where you will be aggressive in the world. Um, it, it, uh, being aggressive in the world, you know, means you, you walk through taking what belongs to, 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 to you, even if somebody else got it. 
in the kingdom, the way that we are aggressive is we are aggressive, number one, by sowing our seed, and number two, by believing the harvest is going to come for our seed. We're aggressive. We don't let anybody talk us out of it. We don't let anybody change our minds. In, in other words, the, what God is really telling us is we got to learn how to be blow, both a sower and a mower. You got to be a person who understands how to sow and a person who understands how to mow. You got to go get your stuff. How do you get your stuff? By commanding that the enemy release everything that belongs to you. I don't know who it is, but somebody on this broadcast right now, you are waiting on a check. You are waiting on a check that you expected several weeks ago and you haven't received it yet. I am telling you right now, grab hold to this particular law right here. Law number two about being aggressive for your harvest. And for the next several days, I want you to declare that whatever is holding that check up be released right now in the name of Jesus. And you watch and see by the end of this week, don't that check show up. And when it does, I want you to come right back here and I want you to say, Pastor, that was me. I was believing for a check. I heard what you said. I did what you said and my check showed up and here it is. I, I want you to come back here and tell us because I believe somebody on this broadcast just got their breakthrough. And remember, breakthrough always shows up before manifestation happens. Listen, I want you to say this in the comment section. Say, I'm not just a good giver. Say, I'm also a good reaper. I'll say it again. Say, I'm not just a good giver. Say, I am a good reaper. That's right. I can sow, but I can also reap. Because the Bible says that we have a right to reap where we have sown. And so I'm not just a good sower, but I'm also a good reaper. All right? Let's look at strategy number three or law number three. Concerning our concerning our harvest. Law number three says we must never give up on our seed. We must never give up on our seed. In the kingdom of God, there is no seed that goes into the kingdom and doesn't produce a harvest. The only way you don't get it is you don't reap it, but it's going to produce. So what I'm begging you to do is not to give up on your seed. Well, Pastor, I sold $100 uh, six months ago and I was believing God you know, for 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 a thousand dollar need that I have, and I ain't got it yet. Don't give up on your seed. The Bible says in Galatians six and nine, it says, "So let's not get tired doing what is good, or let or let's not grow weary in well doing." It says, "Why? Because at the just and right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up." Another way of saying it is like this. It says, don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap a harvest. When it's due season. Sometimes you think it's due season, but just because you think it's due season don't mean it's due season. That's what the old church used to say when they used to say things like, he may not come when you want him, but he'll show up right on time. What they were really saying is that you may think it's time, but God knows when it's time. And, 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 and your job is to believe you receive when you pray, not to believe you receive when you get it. You are to believe you receive when you pray. And so then you leave the due season to God. You don't have to be sad about it because you know you've already received when you are really in faith. So understand this. If you are going to, uh, to, to not give up on your seed, that means you have to call your seeds into remembrance. 
So when you're praying, that's why on Tuesday night, we encourage you to come to prayer on Tuesday nights. They spend a lot of time on Tuesday nights, not necessarily saying we call this seed into remembrance, but they spend time calling all of these seeds, all of these things that we've given to God into remembrance. It'll help you. So I'm encouraging you, if you have a hard time calling your seed into remembrance, don't skip prayer on Tuesday nights. Amen? Say this. Say, I am expecting a record-breaking harvest. Come on, go ahead and make that confession. We're almost done. Say that. Say, I'm expecting a record-breaking harvest. I am expecting a record-breaking harvest. Now, if you believe that, you ought to go ahead and give some hearts in this room this morning. If you're believing that you're, that you're expecting a record-breaking harvest, I want you to go ahead and give some hearts like it's already done. Amen? So, number three, what did I say? You can never give up on your seed. Don't let your seed go. Don't let your seed go. It is harvest time. I declare each and every one of you, you are going to receive a record breaking harvest in 2020. These next five months, blessings are going to come one on top of the other. They're going to happen so fast. They're going to make your head spin. Blessing on top of blessing, on top of blessing, on top of blessing, on top of blessing. I'm talking about record-breaking harvest. Believing is a choice. You have to choose to believe what I'm saying to you. Amen? Strategy number four, or law number four. You, you must keep the weeds out of your harvest. It is your job to tend to the garden. It is your job. It is not God's job to tend to the harvest. But there's this saying they used to say all the time. They said, you may not be able to stop a bird from flying over your head, but you ought to be able to stop it from building a nest. Now, here's what that means. It means you may not be able to stop a bird from, from, from some zipping in over your head, right? But if you're just letting that bird come and, 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 and build a nest, that means you're not doing anything to stop it. So you may not be able to stop some negative thoughts from coming, but you can stop those negative thoughts from building a stronghold. So you got to learn how to tend your garden. You got to learn how to weed your garden. The Bible says in Genesis 2.15, it says, and the, Lord God, uh, the, and the Lord God took man and he put him into the garden of Eden and he told him to dress it and to keep it. In other words, he says, I'm going to give you this place, but it's your responsibility to keep it up. It's your responsibility to make sure that things aren't overgrown. It's your responsibility to make sure that the weeds are, are plucked up so that the fruit can come. Listen, God can give you a word. God can promise you because we know this word is his word. His kingdom is built on promises. God can give you promises but if you choose or, or, or if you don't do what is necessary in order to keep the weeds out, then weeds will overtake the promise and then you'll be seeing more weeds than you see promise. That word keep uh, that he uses there in, in, in Genesis 2.15, it really means to put a hedge of protection around. And some of you need to put a hedge of protection around the word that the Lord has given you. Some of you need to put a, a word of protection around this word that I gave you uh, from the Lord concerning this is your great year of harvest. Stop letting everything come into your life and tell you that I'm lying. Stop letting everything come into your life and tell you that God is lying. 
Stop letting everything come into your life and tell you this isn't your year of harvest. It is your year of harvest, of great harvest, because God said so. Don't allow stuff to choke out your crop. Don't allow doubt and unbelief, naysayers, uh, uh, not being in your word. Don't allow a lack of prayer, a lack of fasting, a lack of sowing. Don't allow all of these lacks of to come into your life and, 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 begin, to and begin to produce weeds in your garden. So law number four says you got to keep the weeds out of your garden. When it comes to harvesting, you got to keep the weeds out. And then number five, which, which sounds simple, but a lot of people don't do it. Law number five or strategy number five concerning receiving your harvest is that you must water your seed. You must water your seed. Every farmer knows he needs rain for his seed. He needs rain before he sows the seed. And he needs rain once the seed is in the ground. Well, pastor, how does this line up with us? I'm telling you, you need to have an attitude of gratitude before you ever sow your seed. You need to thank God for everything that he's done in your life. You need to be excited about what you currently have before you ever start thinking about sowing seed for something you don't have. It's why one of my favorite scriptures is Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6 and 7, it says, don't worry about anything. It says, instead, pray about everything. It says, tell God what you need and then thank him for everything that he's done. And then your life will be filled and you will experience such great grace and peace. I love that scripture. Why? Because that's how I water my seed. I water my seed by praising God for what he's done. I, I water my seed by not worrying. I don't add weeds to my garden. I don't worry about anything, but I thank God for everything. I tell God what I need, and then I thank him for everything that he's done. Why? Because I know when I do that, then peace and grace are going to be in my life. And so the Bible says, like the Bible says it like this in Psalm 67, verse 5 and 6. It says, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise your name. Then shall the earth yield all of her increase. And God, even our own God, will bless us. Notice, God loves to bless us. But there is a for getting that done. And what's the strategy? The Bible says all we have to do is praise him. All we have to do is honor him and thank him. The Bible says, it says, let all the people praise him. It says, and then the earth don't have a, uh, don't have a choice. It will, it, will, it will literally yield her increase. It will, it will yield her increase. And, and God, even our God, will give us the blessings. Amen? So understand this. Uh, I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. Praise and thanksgiving are the languages of faith. Praise and thanksgiving are the languages of faith. If we're going to be a people who are going to praise and honor God, then we must understand that praise and thanksgiving is the language of the kingdom. Amen. So go ahead and take a moment. Let's give God some praise. Use some little emojis. Put the little hands up. Show some hearts. Show some likes. Say, I praise God. Say, I honor God. Say, I thank God. Whatever you do to, to praise God. Let's spend. You got seed in the ground right now. Let's water that seed right now. Let's water that seed. Let's honor 
God for all that he has done, for all that he is doing, for all that he will do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I see y'all praising God out there. I see the hands. I see the hallelujahs. I see the praise God. I see the hearts. I see the thank you. You got a reason to give God praise. Don't you let somebody tell you that you don't. I don't care what it may currently look like in your life. You have a reason to praise God. Amen. Let's hit these last two and let me get out your way. Strategy number six. Strategy number six or law number six. You must put your sickle to the harvest. What does that mean? We said this last week that a sickle is simply an instrument for harvesting. Hebrews 4 and 12 says it like this. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. You got to put the word on it. You got to you got you got to go and you got to find those harvesting scriptures and you need to be confessing those harvesting scriptures every single morning. One of the things we started doing in our marriage group is we have a declaration every single morning. It's, it's just a short declaration that gets our mind right, that sets our expectation. Listen, you need to have every morning a declaration. It can be the same one if you need to, but the, it needs to be a declaration that comes out of your mouth concerning your harvest. You need to say, God, I thank you that this is my year of great harvest. And today I am harvesting. Every day you ought to be saying, today I'm harvesting. But I said that yesterday because I harvested yesterday and I need to harvest today. Today I am harvesting. Amen? And so law number six says you must put the sickle to your harvest. We reap our harvest the same way we acquire anything else from the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. We do it by faith. It may seem silly to some people. It may seem silly to you until your harvest comes in. It may seem weird, right, that every morning I'm declaring I'm harvesting until you're harvesting. Listen, I started making declarations over my stocks. Listen, I'm in a group with several guys and they started talking about finances and I was watching what they were saying. And I was like, you know what? I haven't been declaring uh, uh, the word over my stock, over, over things I have stock in. I started declaring the word of God over them. And I'm telling you within the last two weeks, even though the economy hasn't been going so great and the market is up some days and down some days, I have made money over the course of the last several weeks that I've been declaring that. Why? Because what you don't do, you let slip. And so that's why these laws are important. And number six says we must put the sickle to our harvest. So I do it the same way I do anything else in the kingdom. I do it by faith. What have you not been declaring the word of God over? De decide today that you're not going to let that slip anymore and you're going to declare the word of God over from now on. Amen. And then lastly, number seven, the seventh law, the seventh strategy if you're going to, to call in this harvest, if this is going to be your greatest year yet, if the next five months are going to triple what was happening in the first seven months, here's what you got to do. You must command your harvest to come. You can't just say, Pastor Edwin said, it's the year of great harvest. You can't just say, Pastor Sean said, it's a year of great harvest. You can't just say, my church said. You got to start saying, I declare. This will be my best year so far. I declare that this is a great year of harvest. I declare I am in alignment. I am in agreement. And therefore, advancement is mine. 
You got to start saying, I have a plan of action. I have the wisdom of God. I have the favor of God. And I have a righteous resolve. You got to start making that declaration. Number seven says, you must command your harvest to come. The Bible says in James 5 and 4, it says, behold, the hire or the harvest of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. They now crieth out and the cries of them which have reaped the harvest and entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. In other words, the Lord says it like this. Your harvest has been crying out for you. Other people are trying to claim it. But your, but, but your harvest says, no, I don't belong to you. I belong to, to Jamie. I belong to Chris. I belong to Ralph. I belong to James. I belong to Rod. It says, listen, I belong to you. Come get me. I'm telling you, your harvest is crying out for you. The Bible says that it has entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. The Lord of Sabaoth is the Lord of the armies, the armies of heaven. He is the general over all the armies of heaven. It says that your harvest has entered into his ears. It is crying out for you. It needs you to put the sickle to it. It needs you to use the word to command that harvest, to get up from wherever it is and to come and to find you, to cross oceans if it have to, to climb mountains if it has to, to go to the depths of the depths if it has to. But it's time for your harvest to find you now. And you got to start declaring that and decreeing that. You must command your harvest to come. Send your angels to go get your harvest. You say, well, pastor, how can I do that? The Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 20 and 21, that you can command. You can command the angels to go get your stuff. Well, pastor, why would angels respond to me? The Bible says that when you speak the word of God, angels can't differentiate between you and God himself. How do I know? Because it says, bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. It says, bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, you ministers of his that do his pleasure. So if they do all of that for the Lord, and then Jesus says, now what I want you to do is I want you to get in me. And the reason I want you to get in me is because I'm in the father. He's a true vine. And if I'm in him and you and me, we are all together. So therefore, when the Lord speaks, it's like Jesus speaking. When Jesus speaks, it's like me speaking. So when I speak, angels hear what I have to say and they do what I tell them to do. So I declare right now in the name of Jesus for all 75 of you that are on this broadcast right now, angels go and get their harvest now in Jesus name. And if you believe that and you receive that, you ought to give God some praise. It is is done. Breakthrough always happens before manifestation comes. It is done. You hear me? It is done. Your harvest is here. It is time. The next five months are going to supersede everything you have seen in the last seven months. The Bible says believe on God and you'll be established, but you believe his prophet and you shall prosper. And then the last thing I'll tell you is remember what we talked about last week, how you guard against that, right? The Lord told me there's four things you have to do. There's four things you have to tame. I'm sure y'all remember this. Some of y'all could probably put this in the group, but there are four things you have to tame. Number one, you got to tame your thoughts. 
You got to be careful about what you're thinking. The enemy's going to come and try to get you to believe something different, but you got to tame those thoughts. And in doing so, when you tame those thoughts, you got to tame that tongue. You got to watch what you say. It's going to be some stuff coming out uh, that's going on in government, going on in politics, going on in the economy. You can't be agreeing with that stuff. You can't be out there popping off, talking about throw all 2020 away. Are you out of your mind? These next five months of 2020 is going to be far greater than anything we've seen in all of 2020. I ain't throwing nothing away. Come on, 2020. Show me what you got because I know what God has promised. So you got to tame your thoughts. You got to tame your tongue. And then remember, you got to tame this thing right here, your heart. You got to tame your temperament. You got to tame your temperament. You can't be a person who's easily moved. You can't be distracted. You can't be in faith today and out of faith tomorrow. The Bible says you can't be double-minded. Why? Because a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. He said, let not this man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? You got to be singular focused. So I got to watch my temperament. I can't let the news, I can't let my friends, I can't let my family talk me out of what God has promised. So I got to tame my thoughts. I got to tame my tongue. I got to tame my temperament. And I just started talking about those. this last one. I got to tame my team. I got to watch who I'm hanging around. I got to watch what I let my family say. I got to watch what I'm watching on TV. I got to watch what I'm reading. I can't be believing every prophet and every man of God and woman of God who is saying something contrary to what my man of God said. I told you it's harvest time. If somebody else comes on TV and they say this is going to be the worst year of, 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 of your life, you got to decide which one you believe. So you, you got to know who you can listen to. You got to know who you can turn off. There are some pastors who I love that I just can't listen to right now. They're not in the vein of what I believe God is saying concerning this year for my life. And so you got to make sure that you're doing the things that are necessary in order to be successful. So you got to tame your thoughts. You got to tame your tone. You got to tame your temperament. You got to tame your team. You got to know who's on your team during this season. Amen. And listen, those seven laws, govern yourselves by them. Go back and read them. I mean, I mean, get into them, understand them. The laws work for everybody who is willing to get involved with them. It has nothing to do with how spiritual you are or how deep you are or even how much words you know. Gravity doesn't ask you all those questions. Gravity just says, here's my job to pull you to the center of the earth. These laws of harvest are just designed to produce harvest. So if you will get involved with them, they'll get involved with you. But I can't leave this part out because we because we believe this. Obedience is key. Obedience is key. You can't be out here just running around doing whatever you want to do and think it's going to work for you. All of this, the kingdom of God is based on obedience. I didn't say salvation was. I didn't say you got saved because you obeyed and, and, and you had to do everything perfect. That's not what I said. What I said is the promises of God inside of the kingdom, once you become a citizen of the kingdom, are, 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 are based on certain conditions that the Lord himself has established. What do you mean? He says, if you can believe. That's a promise. If you can believe, all things are possible to you. Now, can, can you just not believe and all things be possible? No, because it's a violation of the principle. Amen? So don't allow people to try to convince you that somehow you don't have to be obedient to God in order to see the blessings of God come on your life. Those people are living in a delusional land. Nobody is saying that salvation is by works. What I am telling you is there are some conditional promises found within the kingdom of God. And those are two different statements. Amen. So understand that. Receive that. Believe that. Pastor, are you coming back? She's going to come back. Uh, she's going to say goodbye to you guys. Now, next week, 
Next week, he don't know who. Next week, next week, I believe he don't with know everything in me that she's going to preach. We look cute. Take a screenshot, Chris. Listen, he don't know who preaching next week. All right. Listen, I believe with everything in know. me. I, he doesn't know. I have a plan of action. He doesn't know. He I got the study. wisdom of God. His plan better study. I got the favor of God. Amen. I'm believing for a miracle. Praise God. And I got strength to endure to change come. Amen. And she going to preach next week. Amen. God bless y'all. God bless you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Was that a good word today? Was that a good word? That is that a good word? Listen, I just want to share something with y'all. I want to encourage you to like and follow this page. This is really important. Some of you have liked the page, but you haven't followed the page. And so here's why you don't get notified, right? So I want to encourage you to like and to follow the page. And then I wanted to give you a word that the Lord gave. Oh, no. One more thing. Be a virtual partner. If you aren't a part of Northwest Arkansas, you don't go to the FOC church, but you can be a virtual partner. There's a link that you can sign up and say, I want to be a part of Fellowship of Champions. But I want to give you this word because I think this word goes along with the strategies that Pastor Elm was teaching, right? And he was talking um, about how these next five months are going to be greater than the first seven months. And this is what the Lord has been saying to me for about four days now. And so I want to share it with you. There is a release of strategy that will shift you into a new realm of finances. There is a release of strategy. What does that mean? That means that God is downloading instructions downloading instructions he is downloading instructions that is going to shift his people into a new realm of finances but you need to understand the why because this is one of those if then if you are willing and obedient why because god is looking for sons and daughters who will represent him in the earth he is looking for some problem solvers so what God is doing is that the Bible says that God goes about the earth seeking, you know, who he can show himself strong on. And so what God is looking to do is to give you a plan that will allow your business to double. What God is looking to do is give you a plan that will allow you to be promoted and make $25,000 more a year. But why? He's looking for that because he is looking for sons and daughters that he can say, hey, I need you to solve this problem. Hey, I need you to pay for this kid's shoes. Hey, I need you to provide water. Hey, I need you to give more to the scholarship fund. And so if you want to receive this strategy, you got to say, I'm a son and I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Your heart has to be that I'm willing to do what he's asking me to do. I'm going to say it again. There is now not coming is there is a release of divine strategy that will shift you into a new realm of finances. Why? Because God is looking for sons and daughters in the earth who will represent him and solve problems. Do I have any problem solvers out there? Do I have any people that like God is like, man, listen, I'm receiving this word. This is a year of great harvest, but it's not just for me. You want to get me out of debt so I can solve problems. You want to pay my house off so I can solve problems. You want to increase my business so I can solve problems. Where are my problem solvers? Because I believe that everything that Pastor Edwin is teaching 
teaching us is so that we will be preserved and be problem solvers. God is looking for some problem solvers and I'm trying to see a fellowship of champions who are my problem solvers? Who are some people who are saying, you know what, God, you can trust me. You can test me. I will do what you tell me to do with my finances. When you increase me, I'll spend it like you tell me to spend it. I'll bless who you tell me to bless. I'll, I don't Even if I don't like them, God, I'll bless them if you tell me to bless them. Even if they've betrayed me, even if they've talked about me, I will do what you tell me to do because you are looking for some sons and daughters to be problem solvers. And I'm a problem solver. One of the things we used to say all the time at our church is make me the man. God is looking for somebody to make the man. Who is he talking to today? So as you're giving your offering today, I want you to think about that. Make make me the man. And I was thinking about one other thing that Pastor Ellen was saying. Listen, one of the things um, that the enemy tries to do is tries to make us so intellectual that we will disregard the supernatural strategies of God. So you're, some of you are sitting here and you're like, but you don't know what my job pays and you don't know what they're saying about the account economy. And I don't care. Do you know why? Because the word of God trumps any other word. I don't care. The question is, do you care so much that you are missing what God desires to do in your life? Do you care so much about the economy? Do you care so much about who's trying to uh, oppress you? Do you care so much about the people who won't let you to the next level? And because I believe that what God is doing is that God is opening up doors to put us in proper position. Places that he needs us. Even some of you, God is inviting you. He's he's um, prodding you to take supervisor positions, to apply for supervisor positions. And you're like, I don't want to be a supervisor. But you don't even understand that God needs you in that role of supervisor because the Bible says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. God is looking for people that he can make the supervisor, that he can make the senior VP that he can make the executive VP. He is looking, even entrepreneurs, God is not just looking for you to be an entrepreneur. He's looking for that entrepreneurial endeavor to become a corporation. Why? Because corporations hire people and they solve problems. God is looking for some problem solvers. Say it again. I'm the man. Listen, I want to end with this. The biggest problem that's ever been solved for us is the problem of sin. And it was solved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today is the day to do it. The Bible says the day you hear him, harden not your heart. Listen, God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he does not want you to be bound to sin. He wants to translate you out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Maybe you've heard all of these things that I've said and you said, listen, that's great. That's great. But the biggest debt that's ever been paid for you is the debt of sin. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never done it before, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. We're going to pray the prayer of salvation. We've been super excited, guys. Since we have been doing this online broadcast, we have led people to the Lord. People who weren't coming to church, people who weren't going to come 
from the church, people who never would have seen us if it had not been for this pandemic that allowed us to be live. So come on and give the Lord some praise for the souls that have been saved. And I want you to begin to have an expectation that more and more people are going to be saved. More and more people are going to be saved. Pastor Ellen told us that salvation is not just going to heaven, but it is salvation, right? It is salvation. It is healing. It is freedom. It is deliverance. And I don't care what you know. I don't care what's going on in your life. Jesus is your solution. You need healing. You need soul healing. You need your sins dealt with. Jesus is the solution. This is a great time to be in the body of Christ. It's a great time to be in the body of Christ. I love what Becky says. I'm just like Becky. Becky says, I love being a believer and I love doing the prayer of salvation. Amen. And I want to encourage you this week. God is looking for problem solvers, not just to buy books, but to buy books, not just to feed the hungry, but to feed the hungry. But I want you to get back out there and remember to ask people, do they know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Have you, I don't know. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about the mean church lady. I'm not talking about that. Do you know Jesus? Because Jesus loves you and he wants to change your whole life. Amen. So that's my time for today. Want to encourage you guys come to prayer on Tuesday night. Come to um, Bible study on Wednesday night. Come in here, Kristen, on Sunday morning. Listen, her worship is so powerful. Join me tomorrow for Mindset Monday. I'm going to try to get Pastor Elwin to join me this Monday or next Monday. Co-team with me. I think he owes me one anyway. And so we love you guys. We're praying for you. We want to hear about your promotions. Carrie just talked about, she just said that tomorrow she's starting a director position for a job they told her she could not have. Did you? You hear me? She's going to start a job tomorrow that they told her that she could not have. Why? Because she did not let go of her faith. We are believing God for your life. We're believing God that you be preserved from every plot and plan of the enemy, that you be in health, divine health. Wear your mask when you go out. Wash your hands. Wash your mask. Stay safe, make good choices, and expect to increase because it is the time of great harvest. We'll Somebody see you. Oh, Pastor Ellison, and somebody's getting that check in the mail. We call for the release of that word. We call for the release of the word, that check, that check that belongs to you in the mail or direct deposit, however it's coming, that what has been withheld from you will be released. Let's just end with this right now. I want you, we're going to go out praising. I want you to praise God for the release. Every seed that's been sown, everything that's due for harvest right now, I want you to just begin to declare release in the name of Jesus. I believe the release in the the name of Jesus. I thank you for angels who bring about what I need. There is no lack. I am the man. I have everything that I need. God has provided. I love confessions because they let us agree with God. All right. We love y'all and we are out of here. Have an amazing week on purpose. God bless you.